It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the uh, Eagle Eye View podcast by us here at Trinity Mirror. My name's Phil Spencer and I'm joined by the Crystal Palace reporter, Rob Warner. Hi Phil. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. Good, good. Still suffering with the cold. <laughs> um, and we're also here joined by our, uh, our Head of Digital Sport, Lee Wilmot. Hi Phil. How are you doing? You're okay? I'm very well, thank you Phil. Excellent. Well yeah, we're here to uh, discuss the uh, the result from the, uh, from the weekend. Obviously it was a, a disappointing result against Arsenal, uh, 4-1 the, uh, the final score, so Rob you were at the game, so what, what did you make of Crystal Palace's uh, performance? Um, it wasn't great was it um, they, they they lost the game in 22 minutes really it has to be said um, first half, they haven't performed like that for a long time um, individual errors, collective errors and it all kind of rolled into one with a good performance from Arsenal in the first half and it was really game over at half time, I and mean, you know you can't you can't give a side like Arsenal a four 0 lead and expect to get back in it. I mean they, they improved in the second half clearly and and got themselves a goal late on for Nuka Milivojevic. But yeah, I mean just you have to put it down to a bad day at the office. Hmm. Was it a case of uh, Crystal Palace uh, Crystal Palace being particularly poor, or was it just a case of being um, coming up against an Arsenal side who were uh, clearly on their game on the day? I think it was a bit both really. I think um, Palace. The, the players were the first to admit it afterwards that it was a, a hard day for them. You know that they, they made mistakes. Um, you, you only have to look at the goals and see that you know they they were avoidable. Um, two from set pieces, not picking up your man, you know, letting him go. Um, James McArthur was guilty of that certainly with Nacho Monreal. Um, the back post getting a free header, and for the the third goal getting round the back and getting the, knocking the ball back across for Koscielny to score. I mean. These are things that you don't really see with Palace. You know, you haven't haven't seen for a long time sort of basic errors where they've, you know, let their marking slip and and made such big mistakes at set pieces. They've been pretty good at defending them recently. But yeah, Saturday was just uh, one of those days for them where it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it there. I mean, it was um, it was three goals within thirteen minutes for Arsenal there. So. Um, was it just a case that Crystal Palace were, were slow off the mark, or did uh, was it a case that uh, the Arsenal just came out uh, all all guns blaring, so to speak? I think so. I, th- I think that that um, Arsenal clearly had a bit. You know, they played with a bit of freedom. I suppose the whole Sanchez saga had, had you know almost come to a head at that point when it was clear he was going to be leaving. He wasn't in the squad. Perhaps some of the players for Arsenal, you know, felt well the shackles were off a little bit. You know, there's not the pressure. People aren't expecting so much today. And we know that Arsenal, on their day, are a very good side. You know, there's no doubting that. They're, yes, they're sixth in, in the table, and you know they've had 
quite a few off days themselves this year, but particularly at home. I mean, the Emirates, they don't often give much away against the, the so-called lesser sides out of, outside of the big six. You know, one thing you can say for Arsenal is they're pretty good at, at dispatching those sort of teams, and particularly if they're having an off day, you know, Arsenal are the sort of team that can take advantage of that. And to be fair to them, they did on Saturday. You know, Palace... They just have to put it down as one of those days and, and try and move on from it as quickly as possible, learn from their errors and make sure they don't repeat them. That's what that's key for Palace really because everything that's happened under Roy Hodgson has been so good thus far, if you take away the first three games which carried on in the same vein as the Frank de Boer regime, um, that they, they, they do have to kind of put that to the back of their minds and, and forget it as hopefully a one-off because... In all fairness, they were shocking yeah. on Saturday. They were really, really poor, particularly in the first half. Yes, they restored some pride in the second half, but Arsenal didn't really have to go at it in the second half, didn't have to keep their foot on the pedal like they had in the first half. Um, and as you say, it was individual errors on Saturday. and it was, a, it was a Crystal Palace team I didn't expect to see on Saturday because I, I said it afterwards um, that the one thing you don't want to do with Arsenal is you don't want to allow them time and space on the ball because that Arsenal team is very good at picking passes and just finding a way through a defence um, and, and just getting around the back of you and you kind of turn around and think, oh, how have they, how have they managed to get behind us? Uh, that's what Palace did um, on Saturday. They, there was so much time on the ball for the Arsenal, for Jack Wilshere, Mesut Ozil... Um, they made Granit Xhaka look like a good player as well, Palace. Um, they just had so much time on the ball and so much ability to pick a pass through the defence. Palace were just standing there watching. Um, and Roy Hodgson will be particularly disappointed with that, I think, because that's that's not a Roy Hodgson team that will just show that much respect to a team and, and allow them to do that. No, I think... So, sorry, I was just going to say, so do, you, do you put it down to Crystal Palace's frailties as opposed to Arsenal being that good on the day? Uh, Arsenal were very good, and Arsenal are very good on their day. Um, Saturday was, was one of those days. That was to say as a Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I watched Arsenal beat Tottenham this season. And I gave them all the credit they deserve because Arsenal played very well that day, um, and that was one of the days where they have played well. You can get occasions where Arsenal become a mid-table side. Um, Saturday they played very well. I, I don't know what it was down to. Whether it was down to, as you say, Sanchez being done and thinking that, well, this is the team we've got to go with now, we've got to show that we're capable of doing it without him. Um, they were excellent, but at the same time, Palace were really, really poor. Um, they didn't show what they have shown in, in previous games um, against Arsenal. Um, and it was, the two combined brought about that 4-0 scoreline at half-time, and it, it was game over. Absolutely, and there, there has been some uh, some decent results for Crystal Palace in, in recent weeks. So, uh, so how, how big a blow do you think it would be that uh, that defeat to uh, to confidence in uh, in the dressing room, just as the kind of getting going? It obviously, isn't going to be good for them, but I, I think they will, you know, isolate it and say it was a bad performance. You, if you look at the last three two or three months, that's not in keeping with the rest of you know the games they've been playing. So. I, I think you can just put it down to, to one bad day. That's what they'll have to do because they've got to try and move on from it. I think, in a way, it's a little bit disappointing for them that they aren't playing this weekend because they're at the FA Cup and they've got a little bit longer to dwell on it. But at the same time, you know, they've got injury problems. It might give them a chance to rest a few for this weekend, get them ready for for Tuesday night at West Ham because that's another big game. You know, I mean, we have to look at the table now and see just how congested it is from ninth downwards. I mean, there are 12 teams in a relegation fight, really, and Palace are one of them. You know, they're, 
as well as they've done over, since Roy Hodgson's taken charge, you know, from, from being where they were after seven games with no points, no goals, to actually getting themselves out of the relegation zone now in January, they've done really well. But, as Roy Hodgson has said himself, there's still a long way to go. There's still a lot of hard work in front of them and they haven't achieved anything yet. And, and Roy said afterwards as well, he said, we can't think we're anything more than, than what we are. And that's a team battling against relegation. Yeah. They've gone to an Arsenal side and lost 4-1. Other teams will do that uh, down at the bottom. Um, they won't be the only ones to, to go and lose like that at Arsenal. Um, I think the thing that really worried me on, on Saturday was the goals from the corners. Yeah. Um, somewhere where you would expect Palace to be reasonably strong. Yes, I know they've got problems in defence and perhaps they haven't got the the strength in that back line that they, they would have if Scott Dan and Mamadou Sacco and were there. Um, but the, just the marking was all over the place. The Monreal just free on, on two occasions for the two goals. Um, and if you're going to concede goals against Arsenal, it, it would be from coming through the middle of the park, playing the ball around. Like they, the they fourth. Create, yeah, yeah, like the fourth, yeah. Um, they, they created those chances, but they didn't score those chances. They scored from two corners. Um, and the fourth goal obviously was um, wonderful, although... Wayne Hennessy probably should have saved it, and I know um, lots of Crystal Palace fans will be uh, talking about that. Mm. Um, but yeah, defect the corners. Um, they need to they need to sort that out. Roy said um, that they they didn't pay any more attention to set plays than they would have done normally. So they did the same amount of work on the training pitch on set pieces, but didn't do any more on it, which is probably fair enough. You wouldn't mm. expect Arsenal to be that strong uh, at set pieces, would you? No. In comparison to a number of other cl- clubs in the division? No, I don't think you would, but I think they'll probably have done a bit more work on it this week. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they'll be looking to rectify what went wrong. You know, I mean, you could see it in James MacArthur's reaction. When Monreal scored that first goal, his head, hands were on his head straight away. He knew that he made a mistake. You know, I mean, he's, he's an honest guy. He admits to that as well. But yeah, I think they'll have to look at it and say we didn't do our jobs right in, in picking up our man or marking you know, areas of, the, of the, the penalty box well enough because you shouldn't you, you wouldn't expect Arsenal to score twice against Palace through set pieces. You know, on any normal day that shouldn't happen really. But it did. And I think Roy will A be very disappointed that it did, mm. but also be sure to make sure it doesn't happen again. Because he that isn't something you associate with a Roy Hodgson team. You know, they they normally are very organised. We've seen it, you know, they've only lost twice in 30, 12, 13 games twice against Arsenal Arsenal are a bit you know they are capable of doing that there's, there's no doubt about it in the in the game at Celeste Park you could say and Alexis Sanchez was the difference on Saturday you could say it was a combination of Palace's poor play and Arsenal playing very well for the first half so you know I think you can take things in isolation and you can say that yes there are things that Palace can do a lot better at and I'm sure that this week they'll be working hard in training to make sure that they do. Yeah, there wasn't much uh, analysis on match of the day. Like they like to do on match of the day with um, analysing where players are on the pitch and mm. the space they give people. But I can be sure as hell that Roy would have had them in the uh, in the uh, meeting room this week with a DVD saying why have you given why is Patrick van Aanholt giving this player this much space on on the left hand side? Why is Timothy Fosu-Mensa giving Nacho Monreal the freedom of the bloody Emirates mm. um, on the right hand side? Well, I mean, you, you lose that second goal, and you know that wasn't from a set piece, but Iwobi's goal, it, it did come down that right hand side. Yeah. Yes, you could say that Fosu-Mensa didn't clear it. You know, it was very much a half clearance. It wasn't completely got it away. But also, you then look at the men in front of him. I mean, Wilfred Zaha was very slow to react to 
Monreal getting down that left hand side and getting the crossing. So it wasn't just one or two individuals. No. There were there were quite a lot of errors across the pitch. And like I say, you don't normally associate that with Palace, you know, under Roy Hodgson. So I think yeah, they'll, they'll certainly have done a debrief on that one and hopefully for their sake put it to bed. Um, and make sure that they, you know, Luka Minivoyevic said we've got to learn from those mistakes to make sure we never repeat it. Because if they do, they'll find themselves quickly back, you know, a few places further down the table if they play like that. Absolutely. And so, so focus now turns to uh, to the obviously the uh, the last week of the uh, the transfer window. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a crucial time for for Crystal Palace, but then also for all the other teams in. Let's be honest, up to like eighth place in the table, who are mm. going to be trying to strengthen the team to make sure that they can stay in the division. So, yeah. um, what what are you expecting to uh, to see from Crystal Palace in the next week or so? I think that the priority now has got to be the striker and the goalkeeper. You know, Roy Hodgson said that all along that goalkeeper bringing in a third one was was a priority. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's something they're looking to do and, and trying to get one over the line. And the striker, it's been obvious all season they needed another one. You know, I mean, Christian Benteke. Yes, he had his injury problem at the start of the season, but he hasn't been firing all cylinders. You know, you could see that on Saturday with the chance he had. Christian Benzeke in form, I'm sure, would have scored that. But he, he kind of took a little bit of time over it and then hit it straight a bit of check. So, yeah, I think there's certainly they need another striker. But you could probably argue the same case for a lot of teams down the bottom. They also need a goal scorer. So it's not an easy market. I think that's probably why it's come down to the last few days of the window. Um, but that's kind of the Palace way almost as well in recent years so I think you'll see another couple of arrivals obviously they've brought in uh, the Polish international defender Jaroslav Jack this week um, and Erdogan Rakic he's a big boy isn't he yeah six foot four yeah so I think Roy's obviously identified him as uh, he's only 23 um, so I think that's one for the future um, but also hopefully he can contribute this season as well I think you know he's played a couple of times for Poland He's been playing in, in that league as well, so he'll have, have got a bit of experience. It'll be a different ball game in the Premier League, but I think you know from the sound of his first interview with the club, he sounds like he's um, he's got a good. He's done his research. He's got his knowledge on on Palace and what the Premier League is about. So hopefully he'll be able to adapt quickly. Um, you look at the Swedish midfielder they've signed. I think that's perhaps a bit more of a gamble. It could be seen as it's a loan deal to the end of the season for Erdal Racket. Um, He's come on loan from Benfica, but he hasn't played for them yet. He, he recently signed from Malmo um, in Sweden. He um, played in the Champions League. With he Malmo, has played he? in the Champions League, yeah. So I mean, he, he's, you know, he's obviously got ability. There's no doubt about that. But again, it's how quickly can he adapt to the Premier League? You know, he's he's only at the moment on loan to the end of the season. There's 14 games between now and the end of the season. It's not, so. like, it's not a lot of time to uh, to get settled in and no, you know, get embedded in the what's going to be a relegation dogfight for all of the teams in the bottom half of the league. That's it. You know, I mean, Palace in the position they're in need people to come in and contribute now. You know, they, they don't want someone who's going to be. They need seven or eight weeks to get up to speed, and you hope that these two will be able to come in. You know, they haven't got Premier League experience. That's the only, I suppose, reservation you'd have about both signings. Um, but we've seen it in the past, you know, you look at last January, Luka Milivojevic came in, no Premier League experience, but he took to it like a duck to water, you know, he's, he's been brilliant for, for Palace. So you'd hope for the similar sort of impact from those two. I'm not sure they'll be starting on Tuesday night. I think they'll be, you know, initially on in the squad, but probably on the bench. Um, but yeah, I think certainly in the last few days of the window, you're looking at trying to get another striker and a goalkeeper in. I think that would be, if they can achieve that, 
then I think that's a reasonably good window for them. Mm-hmm. If they can get any more in, then even better because you know they 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 are thin on the ground for for bodies at the moment with the injuries that they've got. Yuan um, Kabai obviously went off on Saturday, which adds to that. Um, but they certainly, I think the priority certainly changed due to the injuries in the last few weeks because coming into January, I'd have thought they they were probably thinking we're quite well stopped in defence. But losing Scott Dan to a mm. season-ending injury, Mamadou Sakho still a few couple of weeks from fitness, you know they probably that that forced their hand in almost in that sense. Um, they they've done that business now. They've got a defender. I think that all the fans want a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, That's probably going to be the last to happen, though, isn't it? That will probably go yeah. right to deadline day. There's um, the, the Vicente Guaita looks mm-hmm. like it could be done now, doesn't it? I think it's close. Yeah, I think they're, 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 you know the reports in Spain suggest it's close and. He's, I mean, he's out of contract in the summer. Um, there've been suggestions I've seen whether it's a deal for the summer or whether they mm. pay the release fee to get him now. Um, yeah, if it, you know, they, they've identified that a goalkeeper is, is an area they want to strengthen. You know, they've only got the two senior goalkeepers at the club in Wayne Hennessy and Julian Speroni. If anything was to happen to either of those, injury-wise, then you know they are very, very short. So I think it's a sensible move if they can get a goalkeeper in. Um, and yeah, as you say, the striker probably will come down to the last minute. That's probably that's the key for the fans, isn't it? Because I think a lot of the fans forgave the club in the summer transfer window because they all there was the clamour for Mamadou Sakho to, to come mm-hmm. in and the club got that done. They needed a striker in the summer. It didn't happen. But because Mamadou Sakho came in, not everything was forgotten, but they were reasonably happy. Um, yeah. I think if they go another window without a striker... I can see the fans really kicking off. Yeah, I think you know that they obviously tried in the summer and they had that the deal that failed at the last or collapsed at the last minute for Umani Yass. You know that he was, he was there with Sacco on deadline day. I think but everyone was expecting that to go through and then you know it didn't happen for the reasons it didn't. But I think now you yeah it's not like this is something that is being sprung upon them in the last few days of the window this is something that they've known about since the summer that they need another striker so mm-hmm. I think there are already fans that are perhaps disappointed they haven't already got one in but as I said it's not an easy market the transit for window for January in general but also for particularly as a striker because they're, you know, they are a commodity to find someone who can score goals in the Premier League um, I think if you're looking for someone Premier League experience it's going to be very difficult because you've got to try and find someone who's not playing mm-hmm. in a squad and someone who some you know a club is willing to let go, and particularly if you're looking at someone from a similar sized club who's going to be a rival in the relegation battle, mm. you're probably not going to sign anyone from them. You know, you, it may be that you have to take a bit of a punt or a gamble on someone from abroad who hasn't got experience in the Premier League, and you just have to hope that they can hit the ground running. You know, I mean, there are plenty of clubs who've done that. I mean, look at Palace. Um, Arch rivals down the you know down the road at Brighton they they've signed someone who has been scoring goals but not in the Premier League you know and has no experience of it but whether he can come in and score goals we'll see I think I think it's a it's a challenging market um, I think it, that kind of explains a little bit as to why it takes so long to get someone over the line but yeah I think you're right Lee I think if they don't get a striker then fans will be disappointed because it's not something that is just appearing for them now as a as an issue you know you could argue say in the sake of West Ham perhaps it's you know they're a bit unfortunate with their injuries at the moment all seem to be in one area and all of a sudden they are a bit short in attack 
whereas Palace have been short in attack all season, so it's not something new. I think they, you know, they've clearly been working behind the scenes, identifying targets. It's just about getting one over the line now, and it, it, it probably will come down to the last minute. It sometimes seems that way, um, and I, I, but I think they will get someone. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think there's going to be any any departures, any um, any people from the first team squad leaving before the end of the uh, the deadline? I, I, I think the longer it goes, probably the less likely it is, to be honest, because... There's certain players the fans would like to leave. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there, there are players that you know, have, have been in and around a squad or on the bench but haven't featured. I think it was quite telling um, against Burnley that Roy didn't actually bring anyone on. And, you know, kind of suggested to me that he didn't really feel confident enough in the people on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, he had them because he got a name seven substitutes and he'd look a bit foolish if he went into a game without any, but... It kind of suggested to me that he didn't trust the people enough. So you know, yeah, it was a tight game. You can argue that point, but I certainly think there are players who, with outside of the sort of fifteen or sixteen that have been regulars under Roy, you would say if an offer came in for them, then yes, they probably we you know the club would be willing to let them go. It's where, well, it's the likes of Jordan Much, Chung Yong Lee. You know, mm-hmm. there's been talk of Sully Kai Kai for a loan deal. Um, Charlton. You know, they, if that goes through, that that I can understand. Mm-hmm. I think with the likes of Jordan Much and Chung Young Lee, it depends whether an offer comes in. You know, if if it's probably not going to be from a check from a Premier League club. If I'm being honest, I think mm-hmm. you know they're waiting for an offer from whether it's a loan deal or whether it's a, a permanent deal um, from a Championship club, perhaps. But then Jordan Much went on loan to Reading last year, started off all right, scored a goal, and then didn't really feature. So. I don't know. I think that is dependent on if there is interest from elsewhere. You know, you can't just sell people yourself. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Take it, him. It, it, it's got to be a two-way thing, isn't it? If someone comes in for them, then yeah, they could go. But as I said, I think the longer it goes on, the less likely for me it is that they will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's certainly going to be an exciting week until... Uh, until deadline day so um, and obviously including deadline day that's bound to be uh, an exciting one as well so um, so yeah keep uh, keep tuned in to, uh, to the Croydon Advertiser for all the uh, the breaking uh, Crystal Palace news uh, thank you to Lee thank you very much and thank you to Rob thank for, you. Uh, for joining me today and um, yeah uh, keep tuned in to the Croydon Advertiser for all the, uh, the latest Crystal Palace news this has been the, uh, the Eagle Eye Viewed podcast <laughs>